Hello there, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast with me, Stephen Hill, and him smoking a fag, Renfrey Deadman. You having a fag, are you? Is that you okay like, with you? Yeah, you're like the post-rock dot cotton, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been such a good episode title, but we don't do that with these. <laughs> nah, so annoying. That's all right. That's all right, mate. I've got loads of them. Don't worry about that. Um, this, the reason why this doesn't have a title is because this is our writer's review. This is where you pick the album that we talk about. So um, hopefully you have found this via the medium of Patreon, patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. Anybody who signs up for any amount of money gets the opportunity to chuck an album out into the ether, which we will then grab, um, put into our big bag of album suggestions that our uh, patrons have given us and uh, eventually we'll get around to talking about them you are um, painting for you are painting very vivid pictures today oh i am yeah i've seen the Ooh. sip smith's gin advert with a duck <laughs> so <laughs> i'm trying or goose or something so i'm trying to make it more magical like a fucking wes anderson film um uh but um uh, if, if you've done that thank you very much we really really appreciate it if you haven't signed up for the £5 tier and you think you listen to this and you think this is really good, um, our classic album series is for anyone who does uh, sign up for £5 and above. And we've got some great podcasts over there, which are, you know, this is about to be really good, but we've got some great podcasts there. If you're listening to this for free in the future, oh, I'm a robot now, so <laughs> there's no, you can't, I'm basically a spine in a jar and Renfrey's yeah. just a, I'm a, a brain, brain jar, floating yeah. on a cloud. Smoking a fag, yeah. apparently. Um, what we're saying is that we release the, the we release these writers reviews for free, way, way, way down the line. So eventually. you need to get in nice and early, eventually, uh, and you get to make the suggestion. Today's suggestion comes from both Quiz, Quiz, Chris Schwartzen and Max Ellis. Thank you very much, guys. We appreciate that. Their suggestion is an album that I am super happy to be talking about. Betty by Helmet. Released on the 21st of June, 1994, via Interscope Records, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit. Betty is the third album by Helmet. Helmet are the band. I love Helmet. Let's just get that. Put it straight out there. Straight away, Renfrey. Let's get cards on the table. I think Helmet are one of the most underrated bands in the history of music. I think Paige Hamilton is one of the greatest guitarists in the history of music and i cannot understand why corn deftones uh etc etc the whole new metal first into the second third wave of new metal bands don't have to pay 20 percent of their royalties to <laughs> page hamilton why is this i think i i understand totally what you're saying yeah um i like helmet a lot um uh, but i was late to the helmet party um, I got into Helmet as uh, as a result of our good friend Jamie Lenman. Uh, oh yeah, because he he introduced me to Helmet before I even knew him um, through the Ruben song "Return of the Jedi." Um, there's a part on that song in the lyrics where he says, "These here Helmet ripoffs don't uh, they don't pay my lunch," um, and I was like, "Oh, Helmet." They're a band I've heard of. I don't know about Paige Hamilton. I should probably check them out. Um, <clears throat> so I probably first heard Helmet. Uh, well, that album came out 2005, six, something like that. Mid-2000s, I'd say. Right. Um, 
And the other thing that I have to confess to you, Steve, is the only helmet records I've heard are Mean Time and Betty. Lucky that we're doing Betty, as I've heard it. Mm, That is Um, lucky. But yeah, I, I, I come to them from a slightly more naive place than you. But I've always liked what I've heard with Helmet. I wasn't there at the time. I suppose you wouldn't have been there at the time, would you? But you would have got into them not long after, I'm guessing. I was partially there at the time. <clears throat> partially there. Okay. I was partially there. Explain the yourself. Actually. Explain yourself. Okay, sir. I will. So in 1997, these bands who basically owed their career to Helmet, Cold Chamber and Corn, um, and those sort of bands, basically uh, Cold Chamber supported Helmet at the LA2 and Helmet supported Corn um, on their UK tour on Life is Peachy. So... Mm. I knew the name Helmet because I'd started watching, you know, uh, reading Kerrang and watching Headbangers Ball and Alternative Nation and stuff like that. And you'd see their T-shirts, you'd see them getting mentioned. You know, they got, I think they they did an out, uh, they did a tour with, um, <clears throat> in late 1996, they toured with, amazingly, Typo Negative supported by Motley Crue and Helmet. Happened in America. Wow. What kind of bill is that? Like, what, what kind, kind of, of bill, bill is that? Is that? Yeah. What wow. kind of bill is that? Um, <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> uh, it's That's a, a really weird sandwich, bill. isn't it? Oh, fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> that is a big old piss break. <laughs> that is like Austin Powers piss, isn't it? I think Motley like, Crue's entire career is just a big old piss break, isn't it? You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, hell, when I kept seeing their name crop up, particularly in interviews and, you know, for, for fans of this and for fans of that. And I had seen um, the Meantime album artwork. I think there was a, an issue of Kerrang! in maybe kind of, whoa, when would it have been? It was in the early part of me buying it. So I reckon it was around 1996 probably um, where they did the, the 100 greatest albums ever. Mm. And Meantime was in the top... It was in the top 100. I think it was in the top 50. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm. And it said basically mm. like, oh, if you like Deftones, then you should listen to this. And I was like, Ugh. So mm. I was aware that this band were kicking about, that everybody was like, oh, yes, they're very influential. I kind of thought of them as, you know, I, like the Melvins or something. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like before I'd heard the Melvins, I knew who the Melvins were mm-hmm. because Kurt Cobain and they're from Seattle and all that stuff. But... D- when I went into R price in Andover, tiny little R price, the size of a sort of, you know, corner shop, not anything but chart music there, really. The odd knickknack now and again. Um, could you find a Helmet album? Could you find a Melvin's album? No, no, of course you can't. Well, just to interject quickly, this this was a big part of the reason why it took me so long to get into Helmet as well, because I read all these magazines. I saw Meantime in all these top 100 um, uh lists as well and um by the sounds of them they sounded like a band that i would like very very much but in terms of having to actually buy their records yes it was very very difficult to get hold of them yeah yes um so i uh i basically was like oh okay you know I, I, they're, they're this band and you know one day I'll, I'll have to try and check them out or whatever um but they looked different to the type of metal bands i was getting into that point like i was like are they actually a metal band because they don't look like corn they don't look like Sepultura. They don't look like Machine Head. They've not got tattoos and piercings, and do you know what I mean? They don't look like any of the ba- any of the bands that I'm into. So I was a little bit like, well, you know, 
it seems weird to think in 1996 that you would have thought, ah, their heyday was 1994. That's fucking ages ago. Well, their heyday was 1992, I should say. Their big kind of commercial thing was 1992. They're good. You know, they're, they're kind of old news now. Um, and then I um, uh, I went to see Korn at uh, Brixton Academy and Helmet would have been main support uh, because it was the tour was Korn, Helmet, Limp Biscuit. Helmet pulled out to do their own uh, London headlining show at the LA2, supported by Cold Chamber. And Pitch Shifter replaced Helmet at Brixton Academy, which for a long time I was like, oh, great. I got to see Pitch. And actually it was Pitch Shifter on infotainment, so it wasn't the Pitch Shifter that I ended up really liking. So I was a bit like, in retrospect, I was like, oh, fucking hell, man. Mm. Um, it did mean that Limp Biscuit were bumped up to main support and played a very, very good main support mm. slot. Um, Limp Biscuit into Corn which I would then repeat 12 years later at Download on the main stage. But back then, at Bricks Academy. Um, and exciting the, times. Did you go to the Wembley Arena show as well? <clears throat> the Limp Bizkit Corn Wembley Arena show? Yeah, I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and Limp Bizkit, as well. again, as a person who is not a Limp Bizkit fan, were fucking terrific that night. Ad- yeah, they were. Uh, admittedly. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, Helmet were a bit elusive for the first sort of couple of years of me liking... Um, metal helmet were quite elusive and then uh aftertaste came out and was reviewed if aftertaste when they were announced for the this tour aftertaste got reviewed and i remember it got a it got a full 10 out of 10 in no no sorry it was fives back then it would have been five we got a full bunch of fives aftertaste from um from metal hammer and it was like this is brilliant blah blah blah, blah, blah. this is great like raving about it and I thought I should, I should make a point of trying to find this record. Um, so I, I got Aftertaste, and I'm quite loath to talk about Aftertaste to be honest, because if you're only giving us three pound a month, you have to wait. You have to give us five pound a month if you want me to talk about hear me talk about Aftertaste. A eh? a eh? nudge nudge wink <laughs> wink. Um, but so I got Aftertaste, and I was like, oh fucking hell. Um, and then. Um, I found Meantime on import. And I mean, the second in the mean, the song in the meantime kicks in, in meantime, mm. I was just like, fuck. Oh my goodness me. Yeah. I mean, they barely sound like when you get aftertaste in meantime and you've not heard Betty, they, they sound really different. I mean, you know, they sound really different. Those yeah. two records yeah. when you play them kind of, when you AB them, when you take Betty out of the middle of them, they sound really, really different. And I could hear, you know, by the time I, I heard Meantime, I had Around the Fur by the Death, you know, you, you can hear that the title track of Around the Fur is is such a helmet ripoff. It's, you know, like that John Stainer, mm. um, that John Stainer drum part, it, it's exactly the same. So I was listening to it and I was going, oh my God, like Deftones are my fucking favourite band ever. Um and they obviously, obviously love Helmet. I mean, there's actually a quote from Chi Cheng, the late bassist of the Deftones. He said, every band should wish to aspire to the originality and genius of Helmet and inspiration to fans and music- musicians alike. Um, you know, they are the band's band. Like Faith No More have covered them. Pig Destroyer have covered them. Soulfly have covered them. Deftones obviously have. Chevelle have covered them. Yeah. Um, the, I've got the, um, the meantime... 
uh, Redux album, which is then being covered by a whole bunch of bands from the kind of you know modern sludgy hardcore scene. I've seen and that it's album. Great. Well, I was about to mm. ask. Yeah, it's good, is it? Yeah, it is good. It just reminds you of how great those songs are. I mean, there's a few bands who uh, who do really good jobs, but that tightly wound coil mm. of that album, nobody gets nobody gets close to that level of precision and that kind of the kind of the, the mechanical spring of helmets music being that precise is very very difficult thing to do and um and nobody does it nobody does it like they do i don't think i i, I totally understand what you're saying in terms of the uh debt that bands like deftones and corn and cold chamber owe to helmet but I also think for people who haven't heard Helmet before, that might be ever so slightly misleading uh, because obviously Helmet are not a new metal band. I mean, we're talking nope. about a band who were pre-new metal for the most part. This album came out June 21st, 1994. So probably just before or just after Korn's debut came out. Oh. Yeah, and, and that's their third record. So Strap yeah, It On is 1990, Mean Time's 1992. Yeah. For um, me, um, there's a more of a similarity. I mean, I remember when I first heard Mean Time, I was like, oh, cool. This is like quicksand. I think there's a lot of quicksand in there. Yeah. I think there's quite a lot of therapy in there. I think there's a mm -hmm. fair bit of failure in there. I think prong. failure. Yeah, prong. Uh, I think failure a bit more sort of otherworldly and spaced out. But, but you know, I could, there's similarities there. But that's the kind of thing that Even we are. Just a undertow era tool as well yeah I don't think that's so. a good shout. shout yeah 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 absolutely and very but very specifically under terrier at all um but that's the kind of thing like very um heavy sounding records it's interesting that you say are they a metal band i mean uh, it's a tough one isn't it are quicksand mm. a metal band well i mean i always thought of quicksand as the kind of one of the 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 kind of i'm definitely not the precursor to emo or one of the first emo bands but certainly a band who um brought in extra things which meant emo changed the way that it sounded quite a lot yeah and they're certainly i mean i think helmet are in the main heavier than mm. than quicksand mm -hmm. i think alternative metal now yeah. this is not a phrase that people use very much these days renfrey really but danzig rollins band yeah uh, white zombie alternative metal it's not you know it, and we've probably never actually said it before but there was this kind of um alternative rock was obviously a thing and we've talked about you know and we have the word we talk about alternative music all the time but that kind of post grunge but more metal thing mm. um had a little moment a bit like you know i talk about brit rock and how that never really you know flourished into a proper obsession for the media, but it had a little bit where people were like, oh, great. It feels like kind of alternative metal sort of succeeded alongside grunge for a little bit because probably because nobody really knew what they were signing. They just knew they had to sign something. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, uh, Strap It On comes out and I think Strap It On is, is that if you're really, really interested in Helmet's career, you might want to listen to Strap It On as it's got, it's got, uh, yeah, it has got Sinatra on, hasn't it? Um, so obviously that's a song that Deftones covered. So yeah. you you might want to kind of, um, you might want to listen to it 
sort of purely for that. There's a couple of songs on it, like um, FBLA is another one that you might uh, you might have heard as well. But it's not really, uh, for me, it's not really like a significant, like you must own this record if, you know, it's just for if, if you really want to get into Helmet's whole back catalogue, then you would probably want to listen to it to go, oh, that's what they sounded like before they were signed by Interscope Records. Um, now, have you seen uh, The Defiant Ones, the documentary? No. About Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine. It's probably the best music documentary ever made, I would say. Oof. Okay. Uh yeah, I think it I think it is. I think it's the best. Yeah, I think it is. Um it's fucking unbelievable. And um there's I mean, Dr. Dre is fascinating and everything that happened with Dr. Dre is fascinating, but Jimmy Iovine it's not really someone that I had spent much time in my life thinking about particularly. I would often see his name on U2 albums yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. But really seeing, you know, where he came from and who he was and the way that he manoeuvred his way around the music industry is so interesting. And when it comes to him setting up Interscope Records, which, um, you know, was in 1990, late 1990, he, he formed um, Interscope Records as a sort of subsidiary of Universal Music. And uh, the first person he signed was, I can't remember the dude's name, but some salsa, like Latino heartthrob um, singing kind of, you know, doing kind of um, a Mel Gloria Estefan cross with New Kids on the Block kind of thing, like a real you know, a real kind of uh, Lothario pop star was the first guy he signed. I can't remember we, uh, what the guy's name is. Yeah, and, and, just and, to sell Enrique records. Enrique Iglesias type? Esque. Esque, yeah. And then he said, you know, the reason we signed that guy was so that we had money to put into the label so that we could then go and sign more interesting artists. Um, Primus were the next band that he signed. Uh, but the third band he signed were Helmet. For a reported uh, one million, an excess of one million dollars, reportedly. So this is nineteen ninety two, early nineteen ninety two. Meantime, comes out on in in nineteen ninety two during the kind of the gold rush years. Do you know what I mean? The the grunge explosion, um, and goes gold, sold over two million copies worldwide at present. Meantime, wow, pretty fucking pretty fucking mad right that's a real surprise to me um <clears throat> especially or just to put this into comparison as we record this we recorded um lamb of god specials quite recently and we, we were did. talking about how their highest um uh selling out albums have sold half a million copies and mm. i in it, the us in the U. okay yeah 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 good point there's but, two million worldwide okay 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 it's still pretty amazing though i i wouldn't have I, th that is not what I've assumed at all. Because as you say, Helmet are one of those bands that, yeah, you see the odd person wearing t Helmet t-shirts and they are a band's band. But outside mm -hmm. of that, you know, they don't seem particularly massive. They're a cult band, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. And I mean, you know, I think... <sighs> Meantime peaked at number 68 in the US Billboard chart, which... Now, I think it's more than perfectly respectable for an album that sounds like that. You know, your debut album on a a new label, which is a kind of subsidiary into uh, into a major label. So kind of your major label debut, mm. right? 68 feels like a pretty good 
you know a pretty good place to be peeking at really um but when you consider Nevermind was number one and Pearl Jam were number one mm-hmm. and, you know, then Pantera a couple of years later would get a US billboard number one. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right. It is a it's a slow it's more of a, I think the you know, the, the helmet story, it's much more of a underground cult slow burn of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love Meantime. I do. I really love it. In fact, I think the run of Meantime Betty and Aftertaste is there's not many runs of three in music that i think are uh as good as that personally um what about you renfrey how do you feel about meantime just quickly i think it's great um of, of the two records for my money meantime is the one um but i think betty is a fantastic oh, really? follow-up yes mm. i think i probably do think that i would compare it in a sense to uh I think um, Meantime is Trouble Gum to Betty's Infernal Love in that Infernal Love is a slightly more experimental off-kilter record, um, but Meantime just slams um, throughout. Do you think that's fair? You're sort of being slightly... No, no, I do. I... I I actually think they get better as that run goes ah, on personally. Okay. Um I've actually just got up the Interscope records just to sorry to go before we go back into this. Um the first person that um uh, was signed by uh uh Interscope records was um Gerardo who released the single Rico Suave. That's the first thing oh. that came out. And then it was um the Primus's debut, then it was Marky Mark. Oh. Uh and then it was Tupac. And then they signed, no doubt, Helmet, Four Non Bond, Four Non Blondes, Rocket from the Crypt, and Nine Inch Nails. And obviously, when you get to Nine Inch Nails, that's when Interscope Records uh, and, and that documentary, which you you must watch. You must if you've got mm. Netflix, you have no excuse not to watch that documentary. It's fucking outrageous, outstanding documentary. Um, but yeah, but Helmet get a little tiny mention uh, on that documentary. Obviously, it's not really featured in them, but they were one of the the kind of early signings, and it's it's really really interesting. Um, yeah, to go back to Meantime, uh, as we were talking about it, and I don't want to you know, go too far down the rabbit hole of Interscope Records. Um, I think uh, Meantime, in comparison to the other two records, I think it sounds a little bit more, uh, a little bit lacking in dimensions comparatively. I definitely think um, Meantime hasn't dated as well as Betty, uh, which is probably more down to the production job than anything else. Um, I can't comment on aftertaste, obviously, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I I I, th- I I feel like meantime is all killer, no filler. I think that Betty is mostly killer. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. That's fine. Um. So uh, yeah. So anyway, I mean, you know, at that point they were doing pretty well. I think in. In 1992, if you were a band on Interscope and you were surrounded by No Doubt and Nine Inch Nails and Primus and, you know, they went off and toured with Ozzy Osbourne. Mm. Um, they went off and, and did Lollapalooza and stuff like that. They played Reading. They played the main stage at Reading. <clears throat> they did a whole bunch of fucking cool stuff, which uh, has sort of been been lost now. Um, one thing that did happen is Pete Mengeed left in early 1993 and he went on to form the band Handsome, who I love. You know that band? 
handsome. So handsome. I, th- I thought everyone you, does I... this every time. <laughs> oh, to be fair, Hanson are a far bigger proposition than handsome, aren't they? Mm. Um, handsome. Oh God, it's difficult. I mean, it, it is difficult to to differentiate the two when you're saying them aloud. Yeah, uh, handsome. Um, yes, I've heard of handsome, and uh, I have not heard did they only do one record or am i they did one one self-titled record yes um apparently it's amazing i've never heard it and um, who's told you that it's amazing rimfrey i can't other than me i can't anyone else because i'd be interested to talk to that person because yes it it is fucking oh amazing little 12 year old joe nan likes it i think which is surprising he would have been about that he would have been barely a little sperm uh, at the time that it, that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I doubt he would have been a sperm to be honest when it came out. No, there you go. probably not. He's trying to get um, into old dad rock, isn't he? Anyway, yeah, let's not talk about Joe Nunn. I uh, mean, it's an absolutely brilliant, 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 brilliant record. The handsome record. I'd really um, like to pick it up. Um, it's it's difficult to get a hold of. And is it on Spotify? It's fucking difficult. Uh, it's on Spotify. Yeah. Oh, it is. Is it? Okay, cool. I'll check that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's really good really cool. really really good um but he kind of vanished um pete mengade after after handsome split up in early 1998 which was a real bummer because you know he, everything he'd done up to that point was fucking excellent um but anyway on we come really to to betty as i said uh the follow-up record june the 21st 1994 the band roped in rob echeverria from biohazard who didn't last very long in the band he does actually play on the record um he returned to biohazard straight after um pretty much i don't even think he, he barely toured this record uh and i think it's new world disorder or new world order the 1999 biohazard album that he returns on is probably my favorite biohazard record just as a a little aside but um yeah he came in and i think it's a fairly it's a fairly big progression when you think about it betty i mean go on what, what do you think about betty just in general Winfrey? i think it's a wicked record overall um i think there are some i love how what is it 14 tracks and 41 yeah. minutes i mean it is bang 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 you know most mm-hmm. of the songs on this record are two and a half three minutes maximum kind of thing yep um and there's nothing over four minutes on it at all no i don't think no there isn't um and it really like a lot of it really 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 slams i think it's there's a interesting i think there was a, a couple of interesting choices uh because this album it wasn't that it was badly received but it did receive a few negative reviews didn't it when it came out as as far as i'm aware yeah well it got four in rolling stone okay um it got four in the nme okay uh, i don't know what kerrang and metal hammer gave it i also found the spin um review of it which is quite interesting as well because it says um uh, Hamilton usually grunts like a missing link or barks like an uptight, uh, uptight drill sergeant. But all that screaming must have dislocated Hamilton's larynx because most of Betty's vocals, with a couple of exceptions, are mellower, if not melodic, expanding on the developments of Mean Times, Unsung and You Borrowed. While the kinder, gentle, gentler Hamilton is a nice change of pace, don't get me wrong, versatility and progress are good. The effect of the almost harmonics on top of the distance doesn't quite mesh, like a combination of peanut butter and chocolate and horseradish. But though Betty's experiments um, 
aren't fully successful, it's nice to know that Hamilton and company aren't just sitting on their big signing bonus. Maybe next time they'll <laughs> even come up with a real pop hook. Whoa. Hmm. I, I'm not sure I strictly agree with that. Certainly in terms of um, Paige Hamilton's vocals and his approach to vocals. Um, that seems a bit of a harsh criticism to me. Um, <clears throat> what I thought... Yeah, was, I don't really either, but... Yeah. What I think is really interesting, I think uh, if we're breaking this record roughly into thirds, the first two thirds are just fucking brilliant. Killer. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. They made uh, an interesting decision, I feel. Um Taking the last third as a as a part of the record, it has some great songs on it. Um, Overrated is one of my favourite songs on this record. I think it's fucking yeah, great. It's brilliant. Um, but there are some also really odd uh, deviations into just just weird what one might call interlude tracks, um, mm. which are for me just neither here nor there and. I'm I fucking love bands being experimental and giving it a go and all that sort of thing but they I'm speaking specifically about beautiful love and the silver hawaiian which yeah I mean are beautiful kind of, lovers sorry go on, go a on. Bing, Bing Crosby song Oh okay I did not know that Wow okay I didn't know that at all okay that but that makes more sense that's a bizarre cover yeah. I mean, you'd never know that at all. Okay, no. that's interesting. Um, that redeems it slightly. Um, the Silver Hawaiian's just weird. I, I I think for me, I just kind of go, you were so, so close to having an all-killer record if you'd just taken those two songs off. And we are talking about just a tiny four bit, minutes. Uh, four minutes of, of, of a 41-minute record. That's how kind of anal I'm being with this. But, mm. you know, but it, it it just seems like a bizarre thing to do to me when you have like 12 fucking killer, killer songs. I mean, the, the last song on the record, what's it called again? Sam Hell. Sam Hell is a bit of a weird note to end on. But again, that justifies its place to me because it'd be really weird to end on overrated it feels like a really odd yeah. obtuse full stop so i'm kind of like yeah that kind of works for me but beautiful love and the silver hawaiian where they come in the record and stuff they just slam on the brakes for me and i know it's only i know we're only talking two minutes a piece here but every time when i listened to this record because i hadn't listened to it for a while and i looked at it i was like i really like this record but i do have a small problem with it don't i what is it and Beautiful Love came in. I was like, oh, yeah, that's my problem with it. It just, the last, it just really slams on the brakes for those, that that last bit. And mm. I, I, you know, the songs around it are really good. But as a record, as a whole, looking at the whole thing, it just, to me, seemed like a really bizarre, odd choice. Yeah, I like that about it. I yeah. like that it goes it goes really weird because you know there's weird there's weird and different stuff throughout it. I think I there mean, is my favorite my favorite song on it is um is biscuits for smut. Yeah, biscuits for which, smut, great. Which just sounds like Primus. It sounds like them mm-hmm. doing them doing Primus. It's fucking great. St- um, Street crabs, great. Yep. Rollo's great. Obviously, milk toast is the kind of the yep. big one off it, and Wilma's rainbow as well. Wilma's well, rainbow I mean, is brilliant. Uh, I mean, this is the thing. So basically, when I got this record, it was post aftertaste. It was a couple of years post aftertaste, and um, 
you know, you have to remember that this is not a time in the world where you could Google, go on the Wikipedia and see how many records a band had. You just basically had to kind of, for the most part, you know, if, if it was a band who, you know, I wasn't into metal when this record came out. So I didn't really know that it, that it existed. Like no one ever spoke about it. People spoke about Meantime. Like I knew about Aftertaste yeah. because Aftertaste was the album that was out. And yeah. I knew about Meantime because everybody was talking about how great Meantime was. So I walked into a record shop in Newbury in about 1999. And I was just flicking through the CDs like you do CD shopping. And I saw Helmet and this fucking weird album cover. Again, even the album cover yeah. is not like any other helmet album cover no. right it's normally some two primary colors like juxtaposed by each other kind of formless kind of shapeless yeah um that is sort of the majority i mean particularly their foot from the, that first that run of foot those first four um i think if you google the meantime cover it will be one of those ones which you might not know you know but you 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 will be familiar with the you do meantime know yeah. Cover, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think actually, even when size matters, that's quite a kind of odd looking. Well, what actually is that? You know, you don't really know what it is straight away. Um, covers as well from their comeback record. So you could put the first five in actually. And um, and I saw that, you know, this picture of this sort of young lady in a white blouse with her hair tied back, holding a, a, a basket of flowers. And it said helmet. And I was just like, what the fuck? And I looked around and saw it was 1994. And I was like, oh, the missing link. This must be the middle album between you know these two records that i've just found out that i absolutely fucking love and so i was really really excited to get this record back and to be like oh great you know i've found the you know the the middle helmet record and you know everything they do is amazing and when i first put it on i was just like what right. what the fuck <clears throat> like what what the fuck's going on here okay. like because i think just as a as an opener, um, Wilma's Rainbow with that weird, like, giggle, giggle, you know, those weird kind of angular sounding, dodgy, weird chords that just kind of prang in and out. Yeah. Is that sort of freeform, musicless sound. I was like, that's not what Helmet usually sound like. And then when it does come in, it's not quite as, I mean, you know, they've always had that cool you know, staccato, but slightly off kilter, like rhythm to them. But yep. it just felt really off kilter to me. And then when it gets to like, um, you know, especially on I Know, which I found really hard to just nod my head along to because rhythmically it weaves in and out all over the place. I mean, when it got to Biscuits for Smart, I was like, what the fuck? What the, what the fuck has happened here? Like, this does sound like honky tonk Primus music. Um and for years and years and years and years and years, I thought, I mean, I liked, I got to the point where I was like, no, no, fuck this. And, you know, you got to think in the 90s, you buy a CD, especially of a band you like, you're going to listen to it loads. So all those weird little intricacies over the over years and years and years and years of listening to this record over and over and over and over again, they just don't phase me at all anymore. You know, beautiful love. The Silver Hawaiian, it just doesn't phase me at all yeah, anymore. You have that because of the time that you got into the... Re As you said, you buy a record in the 90s, you listen to it over and over and over. And by the time I got to Helmet, that wasn't the case so much. So maybe that's part of the reason why you can um, 
get behind those. For for me, it's just really cloying and just like I I, I go. I mean, I understand what you're saying with um how the songs are quite different and odd. Um, I suppose it to 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 my ears, it doesn't sound miles away from Meantime. I certainly didn't get that odd kind of oh feeling that you got. But then I listened to these records um together more or less when I first heard them. Um, I got Betty and Meantime together and and it, it did sound like it sounded like the follow up to Meantime that I would expect it to be, if that makes sense. It didn't sound like a massive mm. stylistic change to me. Mm. Um, I think I think it's a, I think it's a slight I think the stylistic change is definitely there. Um, it's definitely a want to be, I don't know, a bit odd. I mean, I think like the clever thing for me when you take those three albums kind of back to back as the sort of the definitive run in Helmet's career, definitely. Um, I think what's interesting about it is you get the quite, like you say, all killer, no filler, quite straightforward first one. You get the slightly weirder, more experimental follow-up. And then you get the, here's the kind of commercial songs. Here's the big choruses. Here's the, do you know what I mean? Here's the, all the, the kind of the, yeah yeah the more commercial stuff yeah and but done really here's the songwriting chops Mm, mm. um and that for me makes for a really really interesting three album run i feel like i'm spunking my classic album (laughs) series podcast on aftertaste that we're going to do a little bit but hopefully this will just make you want to listen to that more Um, This, this is really interesting though because i i would have just assumed you tend to think of meantime being their classic album and whether that's just a, an opinion that you have and most people would say that meantime is the one or but i i never viewed aftertaste as a record which was essential for me to listen to because i might have gone a little bit further in their discography if i had known that but i mean i'm going to pick mm. up after i'm already i'm already looking at picking up aftertaste <laughs> whilst you've been talking um but um i'm listening to what you're saying i'm not, um, but, I'm not going to talk about aftertaste yeah, anymore yeah, yeah, though. that's yeah, yeah. it zip, yeah. zip that, in my the, mouth but that's um, it that's interesting yeah. i i didn't i didn't know that that was uh, a perception that was out there i think it's my perception okay for what okay. it's worth yeah okay i know people for example um the very excellent uh jonathan seltzer at metal hammer uh oh, i spoke to him about aftertaste and he said it's the worst helmet album which should give you some indicator as to interesting you know what what jonathan thinks about it is this it's the worst i wonder if this is a bit like um and for the record i agree with you but uh life of agony your favorite life Mm. of agony is soul searching sun but the majority and it's mine as well but the majority of people would tell you to go to river runs red first yeah do you think it's a similar life of agony yeah, Life Agony is a really good shout, actually, because I think, again, you know, River Runs Red is great, but it yeah. is just like, this is a great sort of hardcore record. Um, it's, it's also ugly. Not, it's also not dated brilliantly, to be honest. Yeah. Um, ug- ugly is something a bit weirder and a bit different. And then, yeah, like you say, uh, Soul Searching Sun is like, okay, we can write songs as well. Yeah. So, um, brilliant, brilliant record. Yeah, it's absolutely excellent. So, um, yeah, I um, I always, you know, I, I always thought to myself, I'm in the minority here because there is only one real opinion and that is that Meantime is the best Helmet album. And 
Nobody thinks Aftertaste is the best album. Only me, me and my four friends who think it's great. Although some of them also thought Betty was the best record. All right. And I was of and I was of the opinion that you know this is just this is just what it what it is like you know aftertaste is everybody thinks that and so that was why i was sort of surprised that a couple of years ago um yeah it would have been it would have been two, was it two, yeah it was 2019 so i saw helmet in 2017 i think and uh, it's not really helmet anymore like i've seen them a few times since and they were pretty bad that last record that they released was yeah, was not like very that, was not very good at all. Was a massive disappointment. Um, uh, the, the, the dead to the world in 2016. Um, C and I dog is like if we're going to go through their entire discography. Size matters is actually really good. Monochromes, mm, uh, C and I dogs, uh, and dead to the world is is rubbish. Okay, uh, but um, but yeah, but but they so it would have been the the 25th anniversary of Betty they toured and I didn't go and see it because I was like, well, you know, John Stain is not there anymore. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just a bunch of kind of a bunch of kids and Paige Hamilton. It is, um, it, yeah, it is just Paige Hamilton who's left, isn't it? Yeah. Something it's basically Paige Hamilton. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to go to that. And, um, but I was really surprised that they chose to do Betty in full. And not only did they choose to do it in full, all of these people came out of the woodwork going, oh, it's the best Helmet album. It's the best Helmet album. Right, okay. Online, on blogs, like I think when Hammer did their, you know, 1994 retrospective, it was like, it's the best Helmet album. And it feels like suddenly over the years, for whatever reason, it's become, it used to just be Meantime. And now it's Betty and Meantime. Yeah. As these kind of two definitive records in Helmet's career. Which is always my perception. Mm. And I don't know when that happened. Mm. No. Or I, why. I, I don't know. But yeah, that, that from from when I've properly dug into this band around the mid 2000s, that's definitely been my perception. Hence why I picked up Meantime and Betty. And I've not really, I, I've, I've not really had a guiding light. I mean, I was going to, you've done it already, but I was going to ask you what to go to next after this. Sounds like aftertaste. Um, uh, it's the next one to go to. Um, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting to hear that. I, I, I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the thing about Betty and, and why I think people like it so much is because it's definitely the record that shows Paige Hamilton off the best, I think. Okay. The page, what Paige Hamilton can be. I mean, you know, Aftertaste has got some fucking, out, like every Helmet album has got some absolutely outrageous riffs on. Outrageous riffs. Mm. And this does, and Aftertaste does, and I mean, strap it on. Um, even songs like Crashing Foreign Cars on Size Matters is fucking brilliant as well. Like, that is such a big riff. But, um, but, I mean, on this record, you know, he went out and played guitar after Helmet sort of split up. He went out and played guitar for David Bowie. Mm. Like, he's not a fucking... Paige Hamilton is not just some bloke who writes big riffs. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He is a fucking jazz-trained 
you know, classic jazz trained guitar player. Well, there's jazz influences put into Betty, aren't there? Sometimes successfully, sometimes yeah. less so, in my opinion. But yeah, there there are some really cool little jazzy interludes uh, in Betty, um, which I was under the impression. I think this album was generally well reviewed, but I think there were some snipes against it um, due to those experimental um, jazzy bits. Um, I think mm. that's a little bit harsh. Like I've said, um, it's only really those two songs and, you know, uh, totaling four minutes in total that I think are a bit off. But um, it's still to, to deny the rest of the 37 minute record as a just because of those two songs seems ridiculous to me because the rest of this record is fucking incredible from start mm. to finish pretty much. Yeah, he's absolutely amazing. I mean, you think that, you know, um, Paige Hamilton has has played on um, albums by, he played on The Fragile, he played on The Hunting Party by Linkin Park, he played on Trouble Gum as well. Oh. Um, he obviously, as I said, he's played with, with David Bowie before. I mean, he is genuinely like i mean what is it he i'm gonna actually look him up he um he trained in jazz guitar and had substantial connections with avant-garde music and film soundtrack composition so yeah he's worked on like the, the soundtrack for Catwoman, <laughs> amongst <laughs> other things uh i mean yeah, he's a fucking he's an amazing guitarist and i think in helmet alone uh this is the most you get from Paige Hamilton as a that kind of jazz trained creative avant-garde guitarist I yeah. think you hear more of that in Betty than you do in any of the other Helmet records it's not there in Aftertaste it's certainly not there in Meantime it's not there on Strap It On either and you go to the latter part of his sort of discography with Helmet and you know it's just not that great anyway and I think at that point he's sort of going Helmet feels like a bit of a retread of you know a kind of a a cash cow at this point which is really sad thing to hear kind of nostalgia trip really which is a you know like i said it's a bit of a bummer to be saying that about a band who i think are, are so great but um you know uh that's just kind of what they are now mm. um but we you know it is funny to see people really kind of go mad on betty now because i just you know i was oblivious to it and i tell you what i think is weird about it is if it's not just going to be meantime, but it's going to be Betty as well, surely it's either just meantime or it's meantime Betty and aftertaste. I don't know why that's weird to me. Maybe in another 10 years, maybe people just well, need mate, to catch up to it. I'm going to certainly do my best to make sure that it, um, that it does, it does get uh, the credit that it deserves. Um, just going to finish up on sort of, the, the, the chart positions. So after getting a 68 on Aftertaste, Billboard 200, Billboard 200 went at number 45, which is pretty good. It actually cracked the UK top 40 as well. Number 38 in oh, the nice. UK, uh, number 18 in Australia, in Austria, number 13 in Sweden, uh, number 23, number 23 in Australia. And, you know, uh, it's, it's sort of done all right. You know, it's done all right. I don't think it's obviously sold anywhere near as many as uh, as many copies as um, as Meantime did, but you know, it's it's doing all right. I mm. think as a as a sort of at this point, it's really when kind of it's funny that it comes out in nineteen ninety four, and that's the year that you mentioned it already when Corn and New Metal then starts to happen. Corn, Corn, Burn My Eyes by Machine Head, um, 
that stuff from alternative metal starts to become new metal at this point and i think that's why you get that big drop off mm. um not really reflected in the albums of the year trouble gum by Karang, uh, by therapy was kerrang's album of the year super unknown was metal hammer's album of the year um that was number two in kerrang looking down it it's a fucking good year 1994 isn't it my god oh yeah um but helmets betty does not make it into either list oh okay mm. so um you know like i say very much a slow burn mm. but i feel loath to kind of go too heavy into the rest of ther- um, therapy uh, the rest of helmet because i do know that we'll be doing a big old deep dive on aftertaste at some point Excellent. anything else to say on betty Renfrey? um i don't know no not really it's a great record if you've not checked it out you should do i mean i i would i would almost be tempted to tell people to go to meantime first because i think it's easier to get into to be totally honest yeah, definitely. um maybe you might agree with this you might not maybe it's best to do meantime betty than aftertaste i mean they get better and better and better but according to your um uh according to hypothesis hypothesis so so yeah so um but no i I think this is a a wicked record which undoubtedly had a massive massive effect on alternative music and uh what it became in the latter part of the 90s and helmet certainly these days rarely get the credit they deserve for that except when people old farts like me and you talk about them i suppose Mm. yeah it's true um yeah it's a great record i mean i think it is the least uh easy to listen to of that run of three i probably well i think yeah you probably could start with meantime because it's maybe after saying that aftertaste has the biggest songs in it i think meantime is probably the one that is the easiest to digest straight away Mm. it's the one with the it's the most straightforward one put it that way Mm. um but if you want for for, i think for kind of catchiness you probably do want aftertaste but i'm not sure aftertaste really gives you much preparation for betty so you might want to save betty till last or do Mm. it first and go well if i get this then i'm definitely going to get the other stuff but either yeah. way you know i mean i didn't i didn't find it to, i suppose my appetite for weird experimental music is quite broad um but i i certainly didn't find betty too difficult an album to get into at all myself it's not it's not like really obtuse or odd there's just the odd moment here and there where you're like hmm, okay mm. and then it moves on to something which is fucking brilliant again and slams so yeah you know. yeah, yeah yeah it's um yeah look listen betty by helmet is not a fucking neurosis record yeah or a, yeah, a, a yeah, Ramsey yeah. record yeah, yeah, at all yeah, yeah. like it's not it, it is but i think it's interesting that those jazzy more weird sort of i guess almost grungy sounding bits because nirvana and alice in chains and soundgarden use a lot of distorted um feedback and the melvins obviously use a lot of feedback and stuff and you know although i don't think helmet use it in the same way it's funny that they decided to kind of pick up and do something which could be seen as akin to that as it was becoming very very uncool there's none of that really on meantime and then where corn and biscuit and cold chamber and snot and static x and spine shank and whoever else you want to chuck in there when those guys come along, they absolutely strip all of the sort of nuance away from 
helmets music completely mm. and do just make it go chug 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 smash 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 and um and then he really did that on one album mm. and although it's massively influential they did only really do that on one album and i guess that's why meantime is considered such a, a kind of um influential record because i don't hear the influence of betty on new metal less so yeah definitely less so um yes and although like and although like we're saying you know this is not a massively hugely challenging record in the same way as some of the long instrumental progressive post black metal atmospheric black metal you know like very very difficult records we listen to are in the hands of somebody who has just bought his first static x album Mm. It kind of is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I, I just, yeah, I, I mean more in the sort of grand scheme of things. But I'm thinking people who listen to this show and have heard us talk about, yeah, Ranzi Pazuzu or Linguing Nota or, um, you know, Sightless Pit, Teeth of the Sea, Teeth of the Sea. Yeah. yeah, like it's, it's fairly, it's fairly easy compared mm. to those records. Yeah, 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 it is. What a fucking good band they are helmet um we'll be back talking about helmet again another time i'm sure as i have promised about 15 times during this (laughs) podcast so um yeah thank you very much for listening if this is the future then that podcast uh, about aftertaste is probably out now if you're listening to this for free you can go over to patreon.com forward slash right act get on the old five pound tier and you can listen to us finish this chat off but um as for now uh thank you very much if you have uh contributed and you listen to this then we very very much appreciate that and we will see you for another one of these very very soon i know remfrey is absolutely itching to do spiderland by slint mm. and coloring book by glass jaw so i imagine we'll be doing one of those very very soon yeah. as well so that should be a laugh yes. anyway oh, oh slint right. by spiderland yeah that'll be a laugh yeah what did i is that what i said yeah you did i'm just i'm just wow, saying fucking hell no, it's it's just it's just it's just not a, a happy-go-lucky record. That's what I was referring to. But yes, it'll All be right. enough. It'll be great. But did I say Slint by Spiderland? Or oh, did you sorry. say that? Oh, I probably. I said thought it. you were taking a piss out of me because I said we'll be doing Slint by Spiderland. God, we're really fucking up the outros today, aren't we? Oh no! <laughs> wow, you did then. Uh, it wasn't me. Uh, yeah yeah spiderland by slint it's not much fun admittedly neither is coloring book to be fair no, but we'll no. have fun talking about it oh I mean, yeah. this has been fun yeah but he's not really fun but this has been a fun podcast thanks very much um thank you to chris thank you to max for suggesting betty i'm really glad that you did that um it feels like a nice little aperitif for when we do a big shout on uh on on helmet one day in the future so make sure you stick around for that uh we will see you another time chilly bye saved by the arnie impression <laughs>